Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Breaker, breaker, everyone. This is the Sample Chapter Podcast, episode 75, with Kelly Mac McCoy. He is a semi-retired truck driver who has shifted gears to become an author, landing his very first book with Harper Collins. It's a wonderful, wonderful interview, and he is such a great gent with that southern Texas drawl that you're going to just love. So stay tuned. It's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Hey, as I said before, this is the Sample Chapter Podcast. This is the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. If you would like to be a guest on the show, or if you have a guest recommendation, reach out to me at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com and give me all the information needed to either reach back out to you or to figure out how to contact that person, and we will make that happen. We'll get you on the show, and you know, there's, there's just nothing I love more than getting to meet new authors, getting to talk with them, and share their work with you know our growing audience because this show has grown by leaps and bounds in this uh, this year in particular last year was our our freshman year uh we did grow a lot but man this year i mean it is just booming and i'm having a lot a lot of fun with it make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever your favorite podcast platform is follow us on social media facebook twitter just sample chapter podcast And we are also on YouTube, so you can check out what the book cover looks like as you're listening to the episode, which, you know, that's a pretty cool thing. That way you you know what you're looking for whenever you go to click on the link in the show notes for that book. You already know what it looks like, so you're getting the right one. Speaking of, don't forget to go back and check out the backlist, because, yeah, this is episode 75. (laughs) I mean... Come on, we've got over 70 authors now reading sample chapters from their books. You are bound to find several books that you're interested in that you know that you're going to love. And let me tell you, these authors have been incredible. So don't forget to go back and check it out. Whenever you find an episode and a book that you're interested in, make sure to share that with friends. Tell others about it. Let them know that, hey, here's an author I found out about. And check out this book. The author is going to read a sample chapter about it. Share it with your friends. Let them know how you found it. And, uh, of course, as always, when you find a book that you like, don't forget to leave a review. Amazon, Goodreads, Barnes & Noble, wherever it is you got your book, leave them a review and let them know what you think of it. Authors live and die by the reviews. That's not exactly true. But... As an author, we all appreciate getting a review. I Man, I just got a really nice one, courtesy of a previous guest who picked up my book and read it. And uh, that was a very generous review that he posted on there. And I really, really appreciate that, Carl. Thank you so much, man. Anyway, well, hey, I hope everybody's 4th of July was was wonderful. Hopefully you still have your, your toes and fingers after all the fireworks and, uh, you know, the uh, usually the alcohol that's everybody partakes on uh, that goes along with the fireworks. Uh, my 4th of July was, was a lot of fun. Uh, as I said last week, I took my wife, uh, we went down to the, uh, we went down to Branson for her birthday because her birthday is 4th of July. She is my little firecracker. <laughs> Take that how you want it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we had a great time down in Branson. We uh, hit a few shows. You know, uh, did a little fishing. Joke was on me, though. Uh, I didn't realize we were going to a trout lake. 
So here I show up with all my big bass equipment <laughs> and I can't use any of it. So I was kind of scrambling for something to make do and yeah, it, it didn't do me any good. So, oh well, I'll have to try, try again another time. So, but still we had a, we had a really good time. It was a nice break. Did absolutely no writing whatsoever. Did no work on the show. I'm actually working on this show right now, editing it uh, the night before it airs. So this is one of those nights where, yeah, I'm up late, last minute, getting everything prepared for you. But I, I make a promise that my downtime is family time. And that extended through the weekend, as promised. And so that's what I did. And uh, now I'm scrambling because <laughs> I didn't do any work to prepare beforehand. So anyway, I want to make sure and give a big, big thank you to our sponsors. You store all who's been with us from the very beginning, going on a year and a half now. If you're in the market for self-storage and you're moving into the Warrensburg, Missouri area, you will do no better. I guarantee it than to check out you store all. They have two facilities. They're both fenced in gated access with your own private gate code 24-hour video surveillance on almost 70 cameras now there's climate control there's non-climate control it is tight <laughs> to quote my kids it is a tight place and it's very clean that's the one thing i i got to talk to some customers i've got to talk to a bunch of customers actually and all of them talk about the same thing it's a it is such a clean place so, you know, it's just really, really awesome. Make sure you check them out online at ustoreall.net. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. I also want to thank Scrivener Writing Software. It is my absolute favorite. It is really, it's my only writing tool I use. And I use it daily, with the exception of this past week. <laughs> that's not true that's not true i did do some writing tuesday before i left for my trip and i was writing on scrivener did some work on my alien adventure that's coming up and then yeah the rest of the week was uh, vacation time but you know it was nice to know that anytime i wanted to i could just open up my phone and there's my scrivener app which is connected with the scrivener desktop version that i also have on my laptop and here on my desktop computer scrivener is incredible you've got to check it out Stay tuned for a commercial about Scrivener here in just a moment. And don't forget to listen up for that special code. If you use coupon code CHAPTER, you will save 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener writing software made for authors by authors. I also want to thank my friends over at popgoesaculture.com with a huge collection of podcasts, articles, all kinds of stuff, anything pop culture that you're looking for, they have it over at popgoestheculture.com. I've had a lot of fun listening to uh, their their most recent episode of the Alamo Drafthouse Backlot. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. They were talking about the new Spider-Man movie. Uh, right now they got polls going on. They're determining what is the absolute best summer movie of the 80s. So make sure you get on over to popgoesaculture.com for that survey and many, many other things like that. And like I said, also podcasts. I've got at least five of them over there that I listen to every week. So check them out. All of these sponsors and friends of the show, there will be links in the show notes. Don't forget to click on those when you're done listening. As I said at the top of the show, our guest author today is former truck driver Kelly Mac McCoy. Real quick, if any of our listeners out there 
If any of you are one of the 3.5 million drivers right now on the road, out there doing the job, I just want to say thank you for what you do. You guys are incredible. You're doing a job that I could not do. And, you know, getting to talk with Kelly for a while and listening to his chapter today was a uh, was really, really insightful. And uh, so for all of you, all you drivers out there on the road, thank you very much. I appreciate you tuning in. I hope you enjoy this episode. And maybe I can just for a little bit of time, we can take your mind off the road. No, keep your mind on the road. <laughs> just listening in for a little while. Uh, but hopefully we can take your mind off any worries. I guess that'd be the better way to put it. And, uh, you know, if you like what you hear, if you like this episode, or if you found another episode that you like, make sure to let me know. Reach out to us through social media or email or whatever. Let us know that you heard this, and I'll make sure and give you a big shout out on the next episode. Anyway, so yes, uh, semi-retired truck driver Kelly Mac McCoy, he is our guest this week, and man... Let me tell you, gosh, he was so much fun to talk to. And we had we had a lot of really good things to talk about. You know, he knows his audience. He knows that this story is going to appeal to truckers. But here's the thing. The trucking industry is extremely diverse. There are a lot of different people out there. So, you know, this is really cool that he's able to tap into this. That's 3.5 million drivers. If Imagine if... You know, even half of them bought a copy of his book. Holy cow. You know, I think Kelly would be a fully retired semi-driver as opposed to a semi-driver. We also talked about how, you know, his inspiration, where that came from. Uh, you know, and one of the things that I thought was really, really cool, his inspiration for becoming a writer was going to the bookstores and finding the bad books. <laughs> you know, and we've all done that. We've all found a book, you know, that we've picked up and said, man, this, this sucks. I could write better than that. And, you know, I think you can. I think every one of you out there listening, if you are, if you've ever had any interest in being an author, do it. That's what Kelly did. That's what I did. There's so many authors who have been guests on the show, you know, who have written their very first book, who they weren't sure that they could do this at first. You can do it. And I think that was something that Kelly's going to tell you about today, that you can do it. Don't wait. Don't wait for the right time, because, you know, the right time might not come. It may not come for a long time, or it might not come at all. Reach for your dreams now. Reach for that goal and do that. And you're going to hear more about that here in just a moment when we get over to our interview with Kelly Mac McCoy, right after a word from our sponsor. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener writing software, built by writers for writers. Welcome one and all to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Jason here, and I, I've got a really 
wonderful guest today, somebody I've been really looking forward to talk to. Uh, my guest is Kelly Mac McCoy. He is a semi, pun intended, retired truck driver turned author. He's a Christian suspense author out of Texas, and I cannot wait to dive in. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate you having me, sir. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I, how's the weather in Texas? Because it's, it's been nasty up here in Missouri. Well, it's uh, kind of hot and humid right now. We have uh, gotten a little bit of rain, which is a good thing. But uh, right now, that's, that's uh, gone away, at least for the moment. So it's hot and humid, and mosquitoes and the other critters are out now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I got a couple bites myself. <laughs> well, go ahead and uh, let us know a little bit about yourself. Well, I started driving a tractor trailer back in 1974, and I'll let your listeners do the math to figure out how old I might be, but I drove a truck. I did everything under the sun that you can think of as far as trucking goes. did it most of my career and most of my adult life, and so when uh, I wrote periodically, you know, dabbled here and there, but uh, when uh, the last uh, trucking company I worked for, not actually the last one, but one I had uh, worked for for years, went bankrupt. I decided to take my uh, writing seriously, went down and joined a great writers group, got connected with some really good writers. And uh, I actually had a gentleman that was going to uh, partner with me in writing a series of novels. He was an old writer with the uh, now defunct San Antonio Light newspaper. And so he liked my writing style, and he had actually written a novel. He ended up writing two novels on his own. His name is John Floyd Mills. So we never could write together. Our styles were just radically different. So John, you know, took off and wrote his novels, and I kind of took this project, ran with it, although I had the same vision in my own mind. Well, I kind of stumbled along, stumbled out of the gate, and until my friend John died, here a couple of years back, and that was the uh, final motivation for me to pick up my pen again and see this uh, see this novel through to completion. Oh wow! Yeah, you know, and it's it's amazing how how many of us blue collar authors, I guess would be the way to say it, uh, where we're we've always wanted to write, we've got that urge, that desire, but you know we've got to work, we've got our jobs to do, and it's going to come along one of these days is what we're looking forward to. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. and I've talked about on the show before where for me, it was finding out that I was going to be a grandfather for the first time. That's, that's when I started uh, getting serious about the writing. So, well, I'm sorry to hear about your well, friend. Well, you know, it's uh, better late than never. And, you know, John was a, he's just a, a great guy, you know, and he, uh, he helped many people along the way. In fact, he started his own publishing company because he knew all about the business all the ins and outs of it, and he created it for, uh, you know, people like himself so they wouldn't have to go through all the rigmarole, you know, what a challenge it is for a new author or novelist especially to, you know, get somebody's interest and have their work published. So he started his own publishing company called Franklin Scribes Publishers, and one of the ladies or two of the ladies at my current writers group, they took it over when uh, John died and it's still in operation to this, uh, to this day. So John left quite a legacy. All right. Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm happy that at least it was the motivation you needed, you know, the silver lining there is that that's what you needed to get going. And, and now we have 
Rough Way to the Highway, your your first novel, and it seems to be doing really well. Congratulations on this first book. Well, thank you. It it seems to be doing very well, and I and I uh, I'm very blessed, and I'm very blessed to have a natural market to uh, market this book to, or an audience to target it to initially. And uh, that uh, you know, truck drivers. It's it's a let's see. There's three and a half million truck drivers in this country, and there's 7.4 million in support staff. And I did have the numbers off of the tip of my tongue. But I got 675 billion dollar industry. So uh, it is a, a nice little uh, niche there to target initially. But mm-hmm. uh, that's really just a small part of my audience, a much larger audience, at, at least, you know, the ones that buy books or the Christian fiction audience. And since I've got this thing rolling, they are, they are actually the ones that are buying uh, most of my books now. And what the one thing that really surprised me during this whole process, and I can't say much surprised me because I really didn't have a lot of expectations, didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. But women like the book probably at least as much or more than men do. And I, and I, I thought it was a, a man, a guy's book, the way <laughs> that I wrote it. But uh, I guess women are really just hungry for that kind of fiction, and they really, really enjoy it. I tell you, I one of the things I've learned is that I don't know who's going to like what. I thought my first thriller was going to be more girls and, and young, maybe some young adults. And I've had so many guys tell me how much they've enjoyed the book. And it just kind of flips, it, flips my whole idea on my head of what I thought I was doing. So I don't know. Maybe one of these days we'll figure it out. Uh, maybe, but like I said, <laughs> other than that, I really didn't have any expectations. So I haven't been surprised by much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but that, that's just uh, one of the things that has surprised me. But I've, men, uh, the way I understand it, women buy more books than men. So that just makes me happy. <laughs> I'd say so. You talked about uh, wanting to be a writer. Has, has this been something that you've always done? You've always kind of written short stories or something? Well, it's something I've always dreamed of doing when I was a kid. I, I came from a very rough background, to put it mildly. So it's something I always wanted to do, but felt like was beyond my reach. Hmm. And so what, but what convinced me that, that I could write was that I would go to bookstores, these big Barnes and Nobles or whatever they had, and I would go in there and I loved, and I still love to go to big bookstores and just pick books off the shelf and, and I read a little bit of them, go down and pick up another book. But I would do this and I'd grab a book at random and I'd start reading it and it's, I would just be awed by the prose and I would think there was no way I could ever be a writer. And then I put it up and I'd go down the aisle and I'd pick up another one and I would look at it and I, think, I would think, this is just really, really bad writing. But somehow or another, he managed to have his book published and get it on the shelf there. And honest to goodness, that's what convinced me that I could write. If, if, that, you know, if he could get his book up there, I know that I can do it somehow. <laughs> but you know, I wrote here and there, but I never took it seriously until, you know, the story I just told you. Yeah. Now, how long did it take you to uh, to write this? Well, Jason, you, you being a writer, you'll be able to relate to this. It all depends on how you define right. <laughs> now, if you, you, you define right at the time that you're sitting staring stupidly at the computer and frustrated because nothing will come and you can't you know, put the story together then the answer is uh, a very long time. 
uh, but as far as, you know, once I, uh, you know, once after John's passing, I, I took that uh, manuscript or part of the manuscript I had and dusted it off. And from that point forward, I was able to uh, take it seriously. I had the determination, I guess, I was just going to finish it through. So uh, I don't think there's an easy answer, but, you know, it took a very long time as far as uh, putting the whole thing together. But once it got serious and I was able to get with the writers group and listen to the criticism, I was able to piece it together in a, a much shorter time. That's great. All right. And this is a, uh, I mean, the, the book is about a, a trucker. So I'm sure you've got a you know, wealth of experience to bring to this story and sequels that you're planning. I do. I've got a lot of a lot of the events that happen in the novel uh, actually happened to me, and I was able to make stories out of it. Now, it happens to me quite often, Jason, that people will pick up this book and say, "Oh, they'll look at the back of it and they'll kind of study it a little bit." And, oh, this is your autobiography. Mm-hmm. If you look at the cover, now this this cover is just awesome. I, I brag oh, up this yeah. cover all the time because, yeah. I had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with it. That's why I can brag it up like that. <laughs> but the uh, the uh, designer, all I did is give him a very brief synopsis in the first few chapters, and that's what he came up with. But at the top there, before it says Kelly Mike McCoy and Rough Way of the Highway, it says a novel. So even though much of it is true, it it is a novel. Some of the stories are true, rather. And uh, there's a lot of me in it. I would say that the protagonist basically has my personality, but it is a novel. Wow. Okay. Well, go ahead and tell us a, a little bit about this, this first book. Well, the first book, the uh, protagonist in the novel uh, is from a town called Papa up in the Texas Panhandle is up near uh, Amarillo. And which is a kind of a, you know, rough, a lot of ways it's a quintessentially Texas town. You know, they've got oil, they've got cattle, and they got a prison. And that's the reason I picked that location. Uh, I've been there many times, but I have no background there. So he was from this town of Pampa and had a pretty rough background. His uh, dad was an oil field roughneck and a drunk that, that worked up there. And so his uncle, my, the protagonist's uncle, would come up there to Pampa and take him away from that in his, in his big rig. His uncle drove a tractor trailer. And so uh, Mike developed this, uh, Mike is a protagonist's name, Mike developed this uh, unrealistic and sentimental view of trucking through the years. And he himself you know, drove a truck for a while when he uh, became old enough. But he later became a pastor, married his childhood sweetheart at a very young age and moved to uh, Kerrville, Texas, not too far from where I live, in the, up in the hill country. And he had a pretty uh, tradici- traditional, normal pastor's life in Kerrville with his wife. Well, his wife is murdered, and that turns his whole world upside down. And she's murdered when he's a little bit later in life, when he's you know probably in his 50s or so. and so. He he can't deal with that and can't go back to the ministry without her. So he sells everything he's accumulated all those years and uh, buys a new Peterbilt truck and goes back to the only thing he knows, seeking some uh, windshield therapy and peace of mind and hits the road again. And, and as fate would have it, uh, he goes back to Pampa, the last place that he wants to go to and picks up a load there and, Ends up, uh, you know, God nudges him to pick up a hitchhiker, 
when he's going back out of town. And that's just, uh, that's all backstory that I just gave you. <laughs> the story actually opens up when he picks up the hitchhiker up there in Pampa. Well, it sounds, I mean, for everything I've read about it and uh, looking at some of the reviews online, it sounds like it's, it's going to be a fantastic story. I, I look forward to checking this out myself. Well, thank you. Thank you. Now, one of the things that we were talking about before is about knowing your audience, which uh, certainly with a, a book like this, you've got the trucker audience and then from there also the uh, Christian audience and uh, go from there. And it's pretty amazing, Jason, the, the people I met out there. Truck drivers are the most diverse bunch of people, the most diverse occupation there is. And I, I actually taught in a truck driving school for a while, and you wouldn't believe some of the people we had come through there. Of course, it was when the oil field was booming in South Texas, so many people you know, were otherwise out of a job, and they just needed to work somewhere. And, and so we had people, for, for somebody to come through the school with a bachelor's degree was very common. We had a few that had master's degrees. We had one gentleman come there who had not one PhD, but two hmm. that went through the school. Mm-hmm. And so even even after I've come out with this book here, I've actually done three signings at truck stops. I've done you know a number of signings, but three of them have been at truck stops. You wouldn't believe some of the people I met out there. One guy, is, uh, he's an actor, and he just received some kind of award for a film he was in in uh, South Carolina where he lives. But he also drives a truck. Another guy I met at a, uh, another signing. He bought one of my books. And it turns out he, uh, he has written two books of his own. He just came out with his third or just a, he's about to come out with his third. He's a former player and uh, an NFL Europe player. And he also spent some time with some, uh, some teams, the New England Patriots, I think some other teams on the practice squad. Huh. Got his own clothing line he manages somehow. It's, it's, and then you have the typical truck driver that you would, you know, you envision in your mind, or you know, most people will when they think of truck drivers. So it is a pretty diverse bunch. When I worked at a theater, I had a, a young man who I, I didn't expect him to go into trucking, but it, he explained to me later, like you said, diverse group of people it was, and that uh, this was part of his five year plan was once he got his degree, then he went in uh, to trucking for couple years and then he was going to parlay all that into a future uh, venture which worked out really well for him and there are a lot of people besides the, you know the 3.5 million people who are in it at any time the drivers it's just, there's just an enormous flow there's so many people who used to be truck drivers they know truck drivers you know they had an uncle or cousin or somebody who was a truck driver or they always wanted to be a driver drive a truck so you can expand that 3.5 million or the 7.4 million with a support staff to many more millions who have some kind of a connection to the industry and so it is it is really quite remarkable yeah it really is i i've gotten to the point now where i know uh I, I don't even like driving late at night unless I really have to. I know uh, I know my uh, driving across the country days are, uh, I don't really like it anymore. <laughs> it's really getting crazy out there, Jason. It's getting crazy and crazy every day, especially with, you know, truckers have a big old target on their truck out there because uh, every, every town you go to is amazing. I used to travel all over and I would see these signs that say, uh, well, here in this area, we have somebody called the Hammer. And his number, I don't, well, I don't want to even give his number, but it's the same number, you know. And then, then you go up to a, a different location, a big old billboard, and so, 
you know, call whoever, and then I have a, you know, another easy number to remember. They usually all the same number. And so, you know, truck drivers or trucking companies have to carry an enormous amount of insurance. Mm-hmm. So they're their target. So if if, uh, if they have an accident, you know, you have a car driver who's going to have like $40,000 worth of insurance and you have a truck driver who's going to have to have a million dollars or more. When a lawyer gets involved with that, who do you think is going to be at fault? Yeah. That's, that's what they kind of deal with every day. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a very stressful occupation, actually. Yeah. But I tell you what, though, they are a lot of the truck drivers I've met are extremely talented drivers. Uh, I was vehicle operations when I served in the military, and but uh, I never got to drive the you know, same equipment that you do. And so I learned a lot of respect for that. And in my job that I have right now, I see a lot of drivers who will make turns and get into little spots that I I know I couldn't do with all day to try and get in it. <laughs> Right. Well, it's a diverse bunch there too, you know. There's that old song, you know, give me 40 acres and I'll turn this rig around. I mean, I'm probably somewhere in the middle between him and, and some of these really talented guys that you're talking about. But you know, back to the school deal when I was teaching, oh boy, I mean, we, I, I have a lot of patience with dealing with people. So I got the most uh, challenging students ever. I mean, I got some that, you know, that couldn't speak English. It was like many United Nations there, you know, a couple of students <laughs> from Korea who could barely, one of them could hardly speak English and all. And he was actually an awesome student. He he just watched everything I did. He actually took me, I took him down on the course where they take the test. And he asked me you know, to uh, just do it once. And he, he sat over there and he intently watched every single move I made and he watched all the gauges and all that while I was doing it. And he passed the flying colors. Wow. And he, both of those guys were kind of, they were, they were old school, you know, they just kind of bowed a little, little bit and there was yes sir and no sir, everything. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, so, you know, they were, they were awesome students. And now I had the other one, I had one gentleman from, uh, Columbia he used to be a military officer and I, there's a number of military guys there from different countries. I don't know what up up with that. I think uh, I think they may have, you know, had some reason to get out of there and they were being paid to get another occupation. But but we had a pretty diverse bunch and, and some of them were is just extremely challenging and but every one of them ended up with a CDL and I know you know, I kinda have mixed feelings about that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, and uh, we were talking before as well how you took some of that patience uh, from being on the road and, and uh, patience with people into your writers group where uh, you, you also developed a really thick skin dealing with critique and uh, learning the craft of writing. I did. And, you know, early on, I was probably as sensitive as, as anyone. And, you know, I didn't really feel like I was a real writer anyway. You know, here I was a truck driver and I was just felt the you know need to join this writer's group and uh the writer's group i joined the first one i mean they, well both of them had awesome writers in it but the the first group i mean it's just had a great bunch of guys there guys and gals is probably a few more women than men but i walked into that group and you know i was a member of that group for years but i was a little bit i won't say i was intimidated but i sure didn't feel like i belonged there and that they four of the writers there had PhDs mm. and other of them had master's degrees and, and, uh, you know, and, and English and literature and all this stuff. And many of them have written screenplays and, 
and work with movie producers and all that. And then here I am, a big old dummy like me. I walk in there, you know, I drove in a truck, never ridden anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's significant. I didn't think it was significant. But uh, anyway, they, but, you know, it turns out you know, once, I, once I was there long enough, I discovered I, in fact, can ride. Uh, because they like everybody, not everybody, but you know, so many of them liked it, and uh, many of them liked it a lot. They just liked my style, uh, liked my voice, and that was enough to keep me going. So here we are. Well, you know, and and that's really telling of of a good group. Uh, you, that's something you and I have in common. That finding a a good group of people to get together uh, for for a writing group, and that just making everybody welcome because. Yeah, we all have different voices. We all have different ways to tell a story, and none of it's wrong. It's just a different way, and that that's great that you found a group that brought you in and was able to give you that that critique that uh, didn't scare you off. Because there's, you're right. There's lots of people who do get scared off and don't come back. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know you got to have a balance there. I mean, you you have to you know be truthful about the writing because you know you're going to get it sooner or later mm-hmm. if you don't have that critique and you present it out to the public i mean they're going to be merciless you know you only you only thought you got criticized before you know <laughs> you just put it out there without that beforehand but it's really a, it's just a huge blessing to have a group like that and have a group of guys to be honest with you and you know i had just a diverse bunch there in, in all kinds of ways there were some very very good writers there I mean, very good. And, you know, some of them, you know, were not so much. We had, you know, just a, a, a great, but they were great people, you know. And I appreciated the the, uh, the feedback from all of them. That's great. That's great. Kelly, where can, uh, where can people find you online? Where can they follow you? Uh, well, they can go to uh, roughwaytothehighway.com and you can uh, read a little bit about me there and, and purchase my book at any of the, the five retailers that are listed there, but the book is uh, out by a Harper Collins, so it's available anywhere books are sold online. Mm-hmm. And it's also, if you prefer to uh, go the old-fashioned route, you can go to Barnes and Noble, and if they don't have it, some of the Barnes and Noble stores do have it now. But you can go to Barnes and Noble or any of the big bookstores, basically any bookstore of any size, will be able to order it for you. Uh, it's available at uh, Ingram up in uh, Canada. I don't know how far-reaching your audience is, but it's at some of their physical stores up there as well. And matter of fact, it's one uh, they've opened up. They've expanded into the U.S. They've opened a location in New Jersey now. And my book is actually, I happen to know that my book is actually available there. Mm-hmm. So, but the short answer is anywhere online, you know, Amazon or anywhere you like to book, buy books online. Uh, you can go to roughwaytothehighway.com and get it from one of the retailers there or physical bookstore if that's what you prefer. Fantastic. Well, and I'm I'm very happy to say that as of this recording and here in early June, the show is now in 14 countries. Uh, we've got some listeners in Jamaica. So hello, everybody out there in Jamaica that we're, that's uh, tuning in. So, <laughs> so Awesome. Well, I'm sure it's available in Jamaica, too. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure uh, some of my friends over in Australia and New Zealand, who I know tune in quite frequently, they might be interested as well. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, well, just, hopefully some people around the world will pick this up. 
Awesome. I just heard of a gentleman from uh, Australia. As a matter of fact, he bought two copies. He bought one uh, so, uh, soft cover and one uh, hard cover to present somebody else. So I know I have at least two sales in Australia. So, but I have gone on and back to just you know looking on size, and I happen to stumble across it in uh, Australia. And I don't even know how this happens, but a number of uh, a number of people had it on eBay there. Mm. Plus, it's available in, in you know on Amazon in Australia and. You know, again, it can be ordered, you know, pretty much anywhere that people like to buy books. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, Mr. McCoy, thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest. And uh, I, I've really had a good time talking with you. And like I said, I really look forward to checking out this book. How soon do you think uh, before we'll uh, see the follow up to this? Well, it's it just, uh, that's a hard question to answer. Uh, I'm having so many people ask me about this one, about the marketing, and I say, you know, where, uh, when's the audiobook going to be available? When's the movie coming out? And all these, you know, all these things, you know, that I'm dealing with with this book. And uh, But I hope to sit down and, uh, you know, have a little bit more time to write the sequel because I'm, I am anxious to get that done because so many people are asking about it. But I can't give you a time frame any more than I could with the first one. That's all right. That's all right. I, you know, I actually am on record uh, a year ago saying my next book would be out by fall, and uh, well, that was last year, so that didn't happen either. Well, so I completely uh, understand. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that happens to. <laughs> Mr. Ricard, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I this has been a real joy and uh yeah i look forward to uh keeping up with you and uh hearing about when that book is ready uh, make sure you let me know and we'll make sure and uh, share it with the audience and tell everybody that it's available i will do that jason thanks you for having me you're an awesome host oh uh, well you're too kind thank you so much ladies and gentlemen it's time for me to step aside and hand the floor over to mr kelly mac mccoy with his book rough way to the highway Chapter One, The Hitchhiker, Friday, 9 o'clock a.m. Max's eyes locked onto the side in his mirror as his rig's 18 wheels rolled away from his boyhood home of Pampa, Texas. The do-not-pick-up-hitchhiker sign above where a man once stood now topped a bare metal post. The man was gone, but the memories his image evoked seared into his soul like a branding iron. He indulged in the perverse pleasure of wallowing in the memories until his stomach twisted into the same old knots he could never seem to untangle. The memories brought comfort to him in a strange kind of way, as in the way a man hangs onto a grudge because it feels familiar and it's easier to hang on to than let go. When the sign faded from sight, Mac eased back onto his seat. He shook the memories off with humor, like he always did driving them back into a forgotten graveyard in his mind. Maybe that was the ghost of dear old dad laying against that post, he thought, though dear old dad died long ago in the Huntsville State Prison. He chuckled to himself and glanced at his watch before turning his thoughts to Chicago, where he would unload his first load in decades. Almost three full days to make it there. Guess I can take the scenic route. But his peace of mind vanished like a vapor as he eyed the solitary figure of a man walking toward a mid-morning Texas sun that brought the promise of another blistering day to the Panhandle Plains. Even when the man's back to him, Mac recognized the hitchhiker as the same one he passed on the way to the slaughterhouse. 
He steered his new Peterbilt onto the shoulder and watched in his mirror as the man jogged to his truck. The hitchhiker flung the passenger door open and tossed his bag onto the floor before plopping himself onto the seat and turning to face Mac. Where are you headed, son? Mac asked. Away from this godforsaken place, replied the hitchhiker. Mac turned his eyes to the highway and floated through ten gears before casting those eyes toward his new passenger. Good luck with that. Unless you have somewhere to go, your mind will stay locked up in that prison back there as long as you live. The hitchhiker fixed his eyes on Mac and smiled. It was a one-sided, tough guy kind of smile. How'd you know I just got out of prison? You may as well have it stamped on your forehead. Mac glanced left and then right as the West Coast mirrors. He shrugged and attempted to suppress a gram, but failed. Besides, I saw you on the way to the slaughterhouse to load. You were leaning on a signpost beneath a do-not-pick-up-hitchhiker sign just down the road from the Jordan unit. The hitchhiker laughed. I just set my bag down to rest. I never read the sign. A cop come along and told me if I didn't want to go back to the joint, I better hightail it out of his territory. He snatched up his bag and rested it on his lap for a long moment before tossing it onto the floor by the sleeper. So why did you pick me up? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Max studied the hitchhiker's eyes before focusing once again on the painted lines darting past his feet. Let's just say you remind me of someone I once knew. He watched his speedometer needle rise until he reached the speed limit, set the cruise control, and placed an arm on his armrest. I'm taking a load of swinging meat to Chicago, so buckle up. I haven't driven a big rig in a month of Sunday. Should be an interesting ride. The hitchhiker settled onto his seat and folded his arms before cocking his head in Max's direction. Swinging meat? Yeah, swinging meat. Mac thrust a thumb over his shoulder. Picture a bunch of cows hanging from their tails back there in the trailer. That's about how unstable the load is. Actually, it's the size of beef hanging from hooks. Anytime I make a sudden move, you'll feel those babies get to swinging around. And if I jerk the wheel too hard, we could end up with the truck shiny side down. Shiny side down? Yeah, you know, upside down, dirty side up, whatever you want to call it. This rig could easily end up that way. Max scanned his mirrors before facing his passenger once more. Like I said, it's been a while since I've driven one of these things, and I've forgotten some of the lingo. He inclined his head toward the hitchhiker and grinned. You may be dead when that happens, so I don't think the terminology will really matter at that point. It can't be that dangerous. The man turned to face the highway ahead and laughed. Listen, I should spend the last four years of my life thinking I might get the shiny side of a shank to my juggler vein any day, just because maybe I hung around with the wrong people or something. He flopped his head around to face back and smiled his one-sided smile. I ain't scared of no swinging meat. Whoa! Mac yanked his steering wheel hard left, dodging a slow-moving combine before jerking his wheel back to the right and returning to his wrong lane. The shifting carcasses in the trailer sent it reeling left before tilting back to the right as the rig swerved across both lanes. After slamming on his brakes, he watched as his trailer skidded across the highway and slid around toward his feet. Max spun the wheel right and back to the left, but his trailer just loomed ever larger in his mirror. Attempting to rein in the out-of-control rig, Mac rested his wheel back hard to the right, sending his truck careening off the highway. He veered off to the edge of the shoulder as his rig hit a soft spot. A chill shot up his spine upon hearing a whomp 
when the carcasses shifted as the trailer leaned toward the embankment. Hang on! Mike hit the brakes once more, easy this time. His truck continued rolling along the shoulder until the big rig's wheels wound down and rolled to a stop. He gripped his steering wheel with arms locked forward and listened to his rig creak like an old rusted door as his trailer tilted inch by inch farther to the right. Easing air from his lungs as if too much at once might unbalance the rig and send it crashing over the side of the highway, Mac considered his options. His best option at this point seemed to be to abandon ship by hopping out of his truck, but after glancing at his passenger, he decided against it. Hey, you crazy man? The hitchhiker shouted as he fumbled around for the door handle. I'm getting out of here. His door flew open, sending him sliding out of the cab. He grasped for the grab handle and peeked over his shoulder at the jagged concrete and steel left by a highway construction crew. Clutching the handle with both hands now, he tightened his grip and glared at Mac. Okay. Mac eased his hands away from the wheel before holding them up look my style. Hopefully the truck won't fall over on you when you get out. The hitchhiker punched a foot hard against the side paddle and pushed himself onto his seat before releasing a hand from the grab handle. He leaned in toward Mac. Okay, so what are you going to do? Well, if we just sit here, the truck will turn over for sure. And if we drive off, the rig still may flip over. But there's a chance it won't. Mac positioned his hands onto the top of the steering wheel before sliding his moist palms into place and facing his passenger. So I thought we'd drive forward and pray. The hitchhiker clicked his seatbelt into place with his free hand. I'm with you, man, he said before digging his fingers into his armrest. The man stared locked jaw at the highway ahead. Let's do it. That was Kelly Mac McCoy reading a sample chapter from Rough Way to the Highway. Like I said, that was so insightful. I really felt like I was right there in the truck with the swinging meat. And I mean, I felt like I was going to tip out of my chair. Just, you know, feeling how precarious the situation was. It was a great chapter and I can't wait to pick up the book. Click on the show notes so that way you can grab a copy of it for yourself. Follow Kelly on all of his media. Don't forget to also click on the links for our sponsors and friends of the show. And please, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when we come back with a new author, a new book, and a new sample chapter. Thank you everyone, and we'll see you again next week.